This week's Sicha from the Lubavitcher Rebbe is on the Parsha, Parsha's Kisavo, and in association with a very auspicious day which occurs this week, and always within the vicinity of Parsha's Kisavo, which is the day of Chai Elul, the 18th day of Elul, which is the birthday of two great relatively modern-day luminaries in the Jewish world, and specifically in the Hasidic world, and they are the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, and the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shner Zalman of Liadi, the founder of the Chabad movement. Um, the, the Baal Shem Tov was the one who introduced the overarching teachings, and he founded the, the overarching teachings of Hasidus, to the world, and the Alter Rebbe, who was, uh, as he referred to himself as the spiritual grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, being that he was the student of the student of the Baal Shem Tov, um, that he, he was the founder of the Chabad Hasidic teachings, which are distinct in particular within the general Hasidic teachings um, of the Baal Shem Tov. And we always find them in close proximity to Parshas Kisavo, and we know that a moed, a moed is a, is a zman miyud, an appointed time, a designated time, which clearly God designated this day for these two luminaries to come to the world. And um, so they are a form of a holiday. We know that every holiday is always alluded to in the Torah portions within the vicinity of the holiday. So surely the, this unique day of Chai Elul must be uh, alluded to somehow in Parshish Kisavu. So the Rebbe demonstrates in this talk how we see the theme of Kisavo and specifically the name of the Parsha, which is known as Savo or Kisavo, um, alludes to everything that the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe stood for. Because the name Kisavo, which means when you will come into the land, and the Torah, the, the Torah begins speaking about the mitzvah of Bikurim, that a farmer has to bring the very first of his ripe um, fruit from the seven species that the Holy Land um, was blessed with, and he has to bring them to the to the base Hamidrash to the temple. So when is one obligated to fulfill this mitzvah? Kisavo. Once the Jewish people have entered into the land of Israel, which is what those words mean. However, we know that when it says Kisavo, as the verse itself explicitly says, that Vyarishta Vyashavtava. Only after you possess and dwell in the land, then you are obligated to fulfill this mitzvah, which actually took the Jewish people 14 years to conquer the land from their enemies, and then actually uh, settle in the land. They were dwelling there, and once they were settled, that's when this mitzvah began, 14 years after they actually entered the land. So although it's true that when it says, um, Kisavo, um, that wherever it says Kisavo, we learn that Kisavo always means not just when they entered the land, but whenever the Torah says Kisavo, it means after they possessed and dwelled in the land. Again, which took 14 years um, more than when they first stepped foot into the land. Uh, but beyond that, um, let's say there was, you know, the conquering of a land, you don't conquer the entire land at one particular moment, you conquer it in pieces. So some of the tribes were settling while the other tribes have not yet settled, have not yet conquered their land. So the Torah is demonstrating to us that even though some Jews may have settled in their land, they did not have the mitzvah of Bikurim until every single Jew settled in the land. 
So in other words, the settling was not, it was not enough for the settling to be somewhat incomplete by the fact that only some of our family, of our union, our unity of the Jewish people was settled, but that there needed to be a, a completion, a wholesomeness of settling, which means that every single Jew was already settled in their land. So the, um, there had to be a communal possessing and settling um, in order for the kisavo to have been effectuated, to have been accomplished. So from this we, we see that the proper meaning of the word bia, which means to come, that's the, 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 the root of kisavo, savo, bia, it's the same word, it's to come into, means that the true form of coming into something is when you come into something in a complete and wholesome manner. As the Talmud in Chulin says, that bia that if someone enters into something bimiksa just partially, it does not have the, um, the it doesn't have the establishment of being a full coming into. One has to there, there has to be a full coming in in order for it to be considered as someone having done this bia, and the slightest diminishment of someone's fully entering into something, whatever it would mean in whatever context it would be. Uh, it would, would diminish from it being considered to be a full coming into. Um, and that's why we find, actually, very interesting, like the Torah tells us, Bamayim yuva vitaher, that in water you shall bring it and it will be purified. The Torah is talking about, for example, if someone has a utensil that needs to be immersed in a mikvah, that the entire utensil, utensil has to be immersed in the mikvah at one time, so that it's completely and wholesomely coming into the mikvah waters in order for it to be purified. That's the reason why, for example, when you dip a, a utensil into a mikvah, number one, you should wet your hand with the mikvah waters in the mikvah before you stick the uh, vessel in. And then also you should loosen your grip on the vessel for a moment so that the entire vessel is surrounded by the mikvah water. Otherwise, it's not fully immersed in the water. Likewise, we you know if a person immerses in, the, in a mikvah, that even if there's one hair that's sticking out above the water, then they are not considered to have been, um, to have immersed. It's not a kosher immersion, and they have not become purified. Because coming into means coming into entirely in a wholesome manner. And this is why kisavo, when you will come into the land, is referring to after the Jews possess and inherit it. That means that they completely have settled the land in also in a settled manner that they are now in the settled manner means that <clears throat> they are stable and established and comfortable um, and, and they have their basic needs met and, and they feel as if they are residents of the, um, of the land. And, and, and likewise, as we said earlier, that the entirety of the Jewish people also have to be settled in the land, which adds to the wholesomeness of it. Now, and this is exactly the connection between Chai El, the 18th day of El, and Parshas Kisova. Because the effect of Hasidus, of Hasidic philosophy, um, it, um, the effect of it is primarily, its primary effect is that through one studying of Hasidus, one experiences their study of Torah and observance of mitzvahs to be done in a manner of Savai, of being consumed entering entirely into the Avedah, the service of God um, that they are doing in a manner that their entirety is consumed in the mitzvah or in the study of Torah that they're doing. So that no part of the person isn't consumed in the serving of God. 
That was this is uh, one of the one of the great accomplishments of Hasidus. That's through someone studying the ideas of Hasidus, it, it enables them, especially in today's uh, day and age, in the last three hundred years, it enables us during this time in history to be able to be fully consumed, where we lose a sense of self and we are consumed entirely in the Torah that we're studying and in the mitzvahs in the mitzvah that we are doing, because just as kisavai. Uh, as we said, coming into the land has two elements. There's a general entering in, that's walking into the land. And then there's a speci- there are the specifics um, to make it wholesome, which is possessing it and settling in it. So likewise, we find in Chayel that it's the birthday of two great luminaries. One is the Baal Shem Tov, whose overarching teachings, um, who gave the overarching teachings of Hasidic philosophy. And then you have the Alter Rebbe, who taught the specific teachings of Chabad. And what is the difference between the teachings, as the Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, put it, that the Baal Shem Tov showed how one must serve God, and the Alter Rebbe showed how one can actually implement it. So there's like sort of a, uh, again, a dwelling, teaching how we can have the approach of one um, putting their entire being into a mitzvah, that's how one should serve God, that we should lose our sense of self and be consumed in our service of God. But how does one do that? That's another very big question. And comes the, uh, the Alter Rebbe, and he went into the specifics of how this can actually, um, how someone can actually effectuate this in reality. And, all, and this all can be understood as well through... Um, the fact that we are that that we know that the teachings of Hasidus, why did the teachings of Hasidus show up suddenly three hundred years ago? Because as we are deeper and deeper in our exile, and we are getting closer and closer to the coming of Mashiach, so in order to prepare for the coming of Mashiach, it was important that the teachings of Hasidus be spread, as we know that the Baal Shem Tov, who was a, uh, a a very elevated and a very divine, godly and spiritual human being. Um, he, uh, he had what is known as Aliyah Saneshama. He had the ability to be able to uh, go into a state of, um, uh, of ecstasy, of ecstatic divinity, uh, uh, into, enter into an ecstatic divine state where he would experience dimensions of, di- of the divine which are not normally exposed to a human being uh, or, or a soul that's in a body. But his soul was able to elevate uh, and have these very uh, divine experiences. And he once had such an experience and he was able to see what is known as a Hechel Mashiach, the chamber of, of Mashiach, which is a, a spiritual concept. Um, and there he, 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 um, he consulted with Mashiach and asked him, Amos Aikasimar, when is our master going to come? When Mashiach, when are you going to come? And his answer, Mashiach's answer to the was, When the wellsprings of your teachings will be spread throughout the, throughout the world. Meaning that the, that the teachings of Hasidus are very important for as a prelude to the coming of Mashiach. And Kabbalah, we know that until Mashiach comes, we were taught that all divine revelation that, that we either experience or that happens, even if we don't experience it in this world, comes from a level known as chitsonius atik, the external side of atik. So just very briefly, without actually going into what atik is, uh, we know that there is a template uh, that, that God designed of how he interacts with the universe, which are known as the spheros. And even above the spheros, there is a level called atik, 
and Atik has an external side to it and an, and an internal side to it. We call it Chitsoinis is the external, Pnimis is the internal, and which means basically deeper would be the Pnimis, and more external is the same level, but the external side of that is the chitzonius. And that when Mashiach will affect when he comes, that all of the divine that we experience will be from Pneumiusatic, from a deeper level, a much deeper level. Um, so now, since whenever it, one thing serves as a prelude to something else, so then we know that the prelude has to have within it the ingredients of what it's leading up to. Otherwise, it, would, it, would not, it wouldn't be able to serve as... Um, you know, as a preparation for what's coming. So whenever something serves as a preparation for something that's coming, you know that that preparation already has an element of what's going to be what's going to be uh, served, so to speak. So therefore, if Hasidus is the prelude to the experience of Pnimius Atik, of experiencing the inner aspect of this level of divinity called Atik, then we understand that Hasidus effectuates the experience of Pnimius of a very deep, experience of one service of Torah and mitzvahs in this world. And therefore, it is the prelude to the experience of a, 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 a deep internal uh, divine experience. Uh, and that's the reason why it draws down the panemius of godliness, which is known as panemius atik. So the Rebbe here gives us a great gift of explaining the difference between panemius and chitzenius, external and internal. And I'm going to do my best to convey it to the extent that I can uh, find words for it. Um, Pneumius, which means the internal side of a person, we'll say, is how one is in relationship to himself. That means my pneumius is the part of me, the deep part of me, which is aligned with who I am, with my being. Chitsonius, the external, the external part of me, um, is how... I or a person is is in relation to others, where it doesn't require in in relationship to myself I have to be myself. In relationship to others I don't have to fully be myself. I can actually just show up in a particular manner which may not be a hundred percent aligned with who I am or with the fullness of who I am or with the the full truth of who I am, but just enough to be able to relate to that other person. And so, therefore, it is external because it's not uh, an authentic expression of my deeper, my deep inner um, self. How does this show up in Avoida, in my service of God? Well, it shows up this way because we want to see how this shows up practically as well. That when, not just philosophically, that when one does something from their from their chitzonis, from the from, from an external state. It does not call forth from within them their entire self. Only enough of themselves to accommodate the other, this thing which is outside of them or this person which is outside of them. So when we do something that is from from our external, from, from an external level, it means that we're showing up, but not, not our deeper, truest self showing up, just the part of ourself that's necessary to accommodate this thing with this person. Essentially, what that results in is a gap between myself, which is my deeper inner self, my panemius, my inner self, and the other. Or, or another way of saying it is that there will be a gap between my inner self and what my who I am, my being, and my doing. There's a gap between my being, my inner self, and my doing, the thing that I'm doing, which I just do... Um, 
to accommodate that thing, but without bringing my being into it. Pneumius means when someone does their avoida from a level of pneumius, that essentially means that one puts their entire being into what they're doing. And so they become one with their doing. So their being and what they're doing actually integrate with each other, which is a very powerful experience, and, they, and a person becomes one with it. And we see this in, we can notice this in many things that people do um, on many different levels. Uh, for example, when, when, you know, when, when, someone, um, when someone speaks, very often we see how someone, you know, they, they give us a formal speech and they share some ideas, but you can see that the being of the person is not engaged in the ideas that they're sharing. So the, sh the, the, the ideas that they're sharing are coming from an external level. When a person is living what they're saying, sometimes that may be expressed with passion or with emotion, you can see that their entire being is in it. Then we can see that they're speaking from their panemius, from their innermost self, and that's why there is no gap or less of a gap between their being and what they're doing. In the case of our example, the speaking. So the, and this is the effect that Hasidus, the study of Hasidus has. And that's why Hasidus is known as Pnimius HaTorah, the innermost aspect of Torah. The, it, it's the um, internal aspect of Torah. And it's also known as Nishmas Adairaisa, the Nishama of the Torah. As we know that this, the Nishama, the soul of, a, of, of anything, uh, and especially of a person, but of anything, is the innermost part and the truest identity of that thing. And that's why through Hasidus, it reveals this, a spark of aliveness, the spark of aliveness in a Jew in his observance. So through the study of Hasidus, which is the inner aspect of the Torah, it reveals within a person their innermost self so that when they engage in doing a mitzvah or they engage in the study of Torah, they do it from a very deep place from their innermost self so that their being is aligned with the mitzvah that they're doing and you can see it in the way they do the mitzvah. And um, this is what we call in, in the Hasidic language chayus. Chayus is aliveness um, or energy. And the interesting, the interesting thing about aliveness or energy, the Rebbe explains, is that what's the difference between a, a, a living body and a dead body? All of the entire body is there. In both cases, the entire body is there. The aliveness that is given to a person through having a neshama, which is a source of, of, of life, is not that the, that the neshama adds anything new to a body, which would then make a difference between a living body and a dead body. You say, oh, a living body has this number of limbs. A dead body doesn't. No, the neshama doesn't add any, any limbs to the body, any, any entity. The, the body will be exactly the same. But what it does is it brings, it reveals a new dimension to everything. So the difference between a living body and a dead body is dimensional. That in the living body, there's a dimension of aliveness, in every aspect of the of the body, um, that the dead body, which also has every aspect, all those aspects, but it's lacking the aliveness, that depth of a, a and the dimension of aliveness. So life and energy is the soul, right? The aliveness is the soul or the panemius of the thing. It's that deeper deeper dimension, and that's why, because as we just explained earlier, that panemius is. Um, um, that when someone does something from a state of panemius, they connect with what they're doing in a fullness. So likewise, the, the, the aliveness that the neshama brings impacts the entire being. It, 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 it integrates with the entire person and brings aliveness to the entire being. 
And this is the effect of Hasidus. By way of example, when someone studies Torah, what part of their uh, what part of them is engaged in the study of Torah? Their mind. A person's mind engaged in the study of Torah, and as, as the Altar explains in Tanya, that when one studies Torah, it creates a connection between the person and God, which is an unbelievable um, uh, a connection of which there is no other way of, of of connecting. And he explains it in chapter, I believe, it's chapter five of Tanya, which is not for now. However, a person can still engage that way simply with their mind, that my mind is engaged in an intellectual idea, but my being is not necessarily engaged with it. But then there's a person who reveals once Pneumius, their, their innermost highest, so that when they're studying this academically, it's not only the academic part of their mind that is connecting with Hashem, but their entire being becomes engaged with it. And, and the person feels a sense of oneness with the Torah that he's learning that the person loses his identity in the Torah that he's studying. And that is when a person brings their panemius into what they're doing, and through the teachings of Hasidus, it, it moves us to be able to do that in a, in a better and better and deeper and deeper way. So, um, this now we understand why Hasidus is the preparation for Mashiach. Because um, when Mashiach comes, we're going to experience the revelation of God from panemius Avatik. Um, and that means, what does that mean? That, um, that we, when, when, when we, uh, when we um, engage with the world, there's the classic way of engaging with the world. That there, you know, there's a God, there's a world, and we've discussed this in numerous in, uh, our talks, because this is a common theme in the Hasidus, and I am bringing God into the world, I'm revealing God into the world. But then there is a level of awareness which is the level, which is the perspective one would have when they're op- when 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 we when we are operating from a level of pneumiasatik as we will when Mashiach comes, and that is when we begin to realize that the entire world is not really an an entity of its own; it's only an expression itself of God. So there really isn't God in the world; it's just God, and and so we begin to see the world as an expression of God and as something which is an outcome of God um, creating it. And that is the experience of what what um, uh, what we say in our davening. Ein od malvadai. There is none other than God. There is nothing. Not there is no other person. There is nothing other than God. Because God is the source of everything. And that, that's going to be the experience when Mashiach comes. So in energy, in the energy of a person, we also find, Hasidus speaks about this in a number of places, that we also find that there are two levels of aliveness, of chayus, um, in a person. One is what we call a chayis klali. That's a general sense of aliveness. Um, and w- what is a general sense of aliveness? So for example, if someone is sleeping, their entire body is alive. And you don't see a distinction between one limb or another because the body is sleeping. So everything seems to be, there's an equal sense of aliveness because all, we see, all that's being experienced in the person at that time overall is their chayis klali, is the general aliveness that, that is given to every single limb of the body, um, um, regardless of their distinct qualities. But then there is a highest prati, and the highest prati is the, the, the particular energy and aliveness given to every single limb, because every single limb, limb has different abilities and different capacities, and therefore it needs to be given unique um, form of aliveness to fulfill its, its function. And by, by way of example, um, it, we know that 
uh, in Hasidus, the, the energy of the foot is called the Malach HaMavis, the angel of death. Why would the, the energy of the foot be called the Malach HaMavis? Because we know that the most desensitized part of the human body is, the, is one's foot. Right? Which is the reason why if you want to test the hot water in the bath, you stick your heel in. You're not going to stick uh, other parts of the body which are much more sensitive in. And, and, and so therefore, it, it, it doesn't have a very um, strong level of energy of aliveness, which is why we refer to it as the angel of death, meaning that it's the closest, uh, if we're measuring levels of energy, it's the one limb in the body which is, um, which is an expression, which is closest to the idea of death, which is lack of any, of energy, of any energy. And this is the difference between the Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe. The Baal Shem Tov, how, how did he affect um, the, the aliveness in the Jewish people? Through bolstering emuna. Emuna is faith, bolstering faith amongst the Jewish people. Now, faith is a general approach that one has to everything that they do. Now, when someone carries faith with them, they bring that into everything that they do. They, it comes from a perspective of, of faith in God. And, and, and so, so faith actually affects the entirety of the person equally. Whereas the Alter Rebbe, what did he um, found? He founded um, Hasidus Chabad. Now, why is it called Chabad? We know because Chabad uh, is an acronym for the three um, intellectual faculties of the soul. Um, and because the Alter Rebbe um, um, taught a path of through doing our best to have the ideas of Hasidus dwell within us, that means it's not just a, 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 a more general idea of faith, but that we actually begin to study and understand God in, to, the, to, the, to the extent that we can and to, the, to, to every, each and every person's individual ability. So now we are having individual parts of our, which then trickles into the different emotions within, within the soul. So now the Alter Rebbe was affecting the specific aspects of the soul being fully infused with the particular energy of the divine so that um, it's it's in an integrated manner so again just like the jews entered into the land of israel literally they walked in but then they had to possess it and settle it so the altar Rebbe took the teachings of the baal shem Tov and he helped for individuals to be able to settle these ideas within themselves, which essentially means to integrate them in a way that they are settled and, um, and, and integrated within a person's particular abilities. Now, the specific energies um, that enter into, the, the specific aliveness that enters into each limb based on each limb's uh, capacity uh, seems to be a, a a lower form of energy than the general energy, and that would be correct to some to some degree, because the moment this this uh, this energy of aliveness has to fit into a particular the particular limitations of a limb, it's now been diminished. Um, likewise, um, the moment. We acknowledge that there is there's a, there's a limb here that has limitations, and I'm going to infuse energy, divine energy, into this limb so that this limb can function in its fullness. We're already acknowledging that there is an entity here outside of the divine energy called a limb, which means we're already um, uh, we're already accepting that there's something external to the divine. I hope you're you followed this la this second point, but regardless. It's another expression of the limit of this 
of uh, of the of the um, specific energy in contrast to the general energy. And this is very true. However, the the specific energy that uh, that that identifies with every particular limb according to its capacity um, and its purpose, it does create some. It has an advantage um, and creates something new, because the general energy, uh, being that it does not have a specific association with any specific limb isn't the wholesome, it doesn't give the person the ability to have the wholesome experience of the energy. Because the energy never integrates itself with the different aspects of the person. It remains a very general energy. But there isn't, it's sort of like when a teacher teaches a very profound idea, which the students understand in a vague way as being a very impressive idea, but can't really grasp it. So there's a lack over there. So on the one hand, you have this awesome idea. On the other hand, though, the students are not grasping the idea. They're not, they're not getting the idea. They can't take it home. There isn't a settling of the idea. Only with the specific energy, when the energy is, is minimized somewhat and diminished and acknowledges, um, you know, or is willing to give space for the, 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 there being this, this limb with limit and therefore it's going to um, accommodate in aliveness that is um, customized for this limb, then the limb and the energy can actually be settled in a, uh, settled together and integrated fully. So, and Hasidus, specifically through Hasidus Chabad, which is, this, this was the intention of the Alter Rebbe, in, um, in continuation of the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, he brought the wholesomeness to the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, to the Baal Shem Tov's Hasidus, by taking these general, the, the general aliveness of, Hasid, of Hasidic teachings that the Baal Shem Tov taught, and then integrating them more part in a, in a more particular and specific manner, so that we as we can we can uh, absorb them in a more particular way on our individual levels. So the general aliveness of Hasidus is alluded to in the Parshas Kisovei, because what does Kisovei mean to come into something completely? And that happens when you don't just walk into the land of Israel, but when you possess it and you dwell in it which essentially means that the that that um it's not enough for us to just have um a general highest quality general divine energy but that the divine energy should be integrated into every de- detail and aspect of our being so the emuna uh, enters into a state of dwelling within us through the the altar giving us a dimension of Hasidus, which integrates the general teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, which was focused in the more general sense on the Muna, by integrating into um, every aspect of our neshama. And in this way, we have a relationship with Hashem, which is a pneumistic relationship, where we now have this inner vitality and excitement and passion for God and for our purpose in this world, so that when we fulfill our mission in this world by studying Torah and observing mitzvahs, we do it in a pnimi stick away, where we lose a sense of self, and our entire being becomes um, consumed in in the Torah mitzvahs. Now, if you you um, may be wondering, how is it that Hasidic teachings, and this I am now adding, that how is it that Hasidic teachings um, bring a person to such a deep um, experience of of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism, my answer to you is that you should set aside a weekly or even daily 
um, amount of time to study Hasidic philosophy and, 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 and commit to a certain period of time that you'll do that over because it's a, it, 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 um, as you know from these talks, it requires a commitment of time till we begin to digest it in a settled manner. And once we do that, we begin to see that this gives us such passion and excitement in what we, why we are here and what the significance of being a Jew is and what our purpose is on a daily basis.